0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Three Point Perspective, the podcast about illustration, how to do it, how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker. I'm Lee
1: White.
2: And I'm Will Terry. And all three of us are professional illustrators, and we have been working with basically all the major publishers in the last 25 years. And between us, we've published about 50 books and we've all taught at universities.
1: Yep, and each week we tackle a subject related to illustration from three different perspectives. Um, Sometimes we're going to agree, other times we are not going to agree, Um, but every time you're going to learn something new.
0: Sounds good. All right, so today's topic is, uh, it's all on Lee. (laughs) Lee (laughs) has been scouring our forums and asking subscribers for questions, just random illustration questions. And uh, yeah, you wanted to take it? Yeah, yeah. So
1: this is our, this is our mailbag. So I put out a post that was, uh, just said, Hey, what are some questions you guys have about illustration or whatever you actually want to talk about? And these are some, um, specific questions for, uh, from some viewers and then also some general questions just from the forums that I found just as I kind of went through them. Uh, Will, Will and Jake don't know what I'm going to be asking. So this is a from the cuff, unplanned disaster, probably. (laughs)
2: <laughs> hey, before we get going, uh, I think it's important to let people know that you don't have to be a subscriber to to join in our forums. Uh, a lot of people aren't subscribed and uh, and it's just a great hangout. It's a great place for like-minded people that are trying to get published or who are recently published or who are trying to get better at illustration who have questions uh, concerning basically any kind of publishing illustration be it children's books or comic books or book covers um it's it's a place where people have kind of found that it's it's what's interesting to me is that it's not um it's it's not the same vibe as like facebook you know it really is a supportive community
1: yeah yeah it, it, it really is and, and we've got every single level there from people who are just starting out saying hey, I've always been interested in this but I've never done it. So here I am all the way up to people who are like, hey, I just got my first book deal um, and they're turning pro or, or or actually seasoned pro me and me and Jake mm-hmm. and will are on there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty pretty fun place you can post images and get feedback and the feedback is good. I should warn though here's my my forum warning. <laughs> I have noticed that sometimes people post so fast they haven't tried to solve the problem themselves. They just post too early. Mm. Mm. So I it's an interesting little dynamic with the form. So you do want to try to solve your your problem because some people do like basically like a half done full painting and then be like, "What do you guys think?" And be like, "Well, maybe you should do some more sketches." Anyway, anyway, we're, we're, we're,
2: oh, are you saying that they um, are you saying that they will post something? that they should have worked out in the like in the yeah, sketch. Stage? Yeah,
1: they're kind of they're kind of uh bailing on the early process work, which we'll talk about later mm-hmm. because there's a question that actually relates to that. Mm-hmm. Um so let's dive in. Yeah, but we'll get we'll get to that because it's a it's a it's a it's an interesting dynamic. But the forums are cool because you can post finished paintings, you can post sketches, you can post whatever you want to and uh and get feedback. And people do give feedback. It's a it's a really dynamic, kind of robust uh, forum at this point. So it's pretty cool. Um, let's go ahead and dive in. So I'm gonna first I'm gonna do specific questions from uh f- from from actual subscribers and then some of the generic uh more generic questions that I kind of found through the forums. Um this this question, first question is from Eric Castleman, and the question is where do we see ourselves in 10 years? Hmm.
2: Hmm. Then he's saying us. Us right yes. Yeah, wow. Which wow. that that is an uh, interesting
1: question because we're kind of pretty well established into our careers and so I don't yeah. do that much for that far of thinking like I used to where where I really knew like hey I'm trying to get into publishing and mm-hmm. you know that is a, it's a really clear goal so it's a, it's actually a great question.
0: Yeah, so I just I just want to say like I want to make sure this is helpful for people listening to. They I mean if if someone random just rolled up and started listening to this episode do they care? <laughs> They don't know where I've been for the last ten years, right? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> but I, I do say I, I do want to say that having a ten-year plan, I think, is is advantageous, and you should have that. Um, I also have had five-year plans and two-year plans and one-year plans, and currently, I'm probably working on a five-year plan right now. Um, but what you want to have in your plan, in your five or ten-year plan, is. Um, Sort of big projects you want to accomplish, and you want to look at those projects. Like, what do I want to do this year? What do I want to do the next year? You know, maybe set a goal to do a project per year or a project every two years. Oftentimes, what happens is you get so involved in this one big project that you're working on. Maybe it's a graphic novel, maybe it's a children's book, maybe it's a you know a, a board game that you're designing, something like that, something that's that's beefy and big and you keep noodling on it and you keep working on it and noodling on it and perfecting it oh now I'm a better artist so I'm going to redo the beginning the first art that I did and and then another year passes well now I'm better than that art and so I'm going to redo that art again and what happens is you get 10 years into this into this project and you still haven't released anything so uh, or 5 years or whatever so making an actual plan I think helps you Get the things done that you need to get done to advance your career, and it sort of keeps you in check as you refer back to that plan. Now, for me personally, in the next ten years, let's see—I—I I turn forty-one next month, uh, so in, by the time I'm fifty-one, I want to have another ten children's books finished. I want to have uh, uh, maybe five graphic novels drawn, and uh, I'd like to—I'd like to see what next level I could take some of those projects to, whether it's Do they become um, something bigger than just the original story that I came up with? Are they a movie? Are they uh, 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 a TV show, or are they a video game, or something like that? I'd like to branch out and explore some other areas like that.
1: Really good, Will. uh, Do you know what you're going to do?
0: Yeah, so um,
2: you know where I've been. I've 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 been illustrating children's books. I've been, uh, you know, I, I had a long career. Doing editorial illustration and advertising illustration. And right now I'm finding that I'm, I wouldn't call it burnout at all. I would say that I have matured. <laughs> That's a better way to put it, right? I've matured mm-hmm. to the point where I really value the projects that I work on. And I don't, I'm not concerned with just getting another book out. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm, you know, we got Bonaparte Falls Apart out with Random House and I'm starting on the second book. I'm really looking I'm really excited to make the the series and hopefully we get to keep making these books and that's that's kind of the plan right now as long as the sales are up so that's fulfilling that creative side but the the other side really is and I, I noticed this when I was when I was teaching at the university teaching illustration um, and I noticed it when I was a student is that most classes are that I've seen and I've, I've been in other teachers' classrooms. It seems like the way that they teach illustration is to basically it's, it's actually kind of easy in that you, you show up at school, they give assignments, um, you know, illustration assignments. And then the, the concepts of color, design, drawing, all of those different concepts are kind of happen in the critique process, which is a great way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but with what we're doing online with SVS, uh, svslearn.com, we, we have to present in a different way. We, we don't have a physical classroom where people are meeting. We're, we're meeting online. And so what I find is we have to uh, distill all those lessons in a really, really nicely packaged uh, set of videos that people can watch and then if they're in an interactive class, they can get critiques based on the stuff that they learned. And I've, I found that curriculum in, at the university level usually doesn't exist in the same way that we're trying to put it out there right now. And I love creating these cl- these classes. And so right now, I'm actually working on a creative composition class. After that, I'll probably either do the, the painting color and light and then the children's book class. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, I'm updating them. And basically, this is a long-winded way of saying I love teaching and I love trying to organize this information because it was the kind of thing that I didn't have when I was in school. And what I kind of craved was something more concrete than the, the bits and pieces that would come in critiques. Even though it worked, it seemed more frustrating than to get more of that solid concrete material to where I could evaluate it and then move forward with more of an expectation of success when I was working on an illustration. Anyway, I hope that that's what our students are getting. But that's what I'm working on now. And I see that taking me the next couple of years to really nail that the content that I'm going to be doing. Um, and, and as part of the 10-year plan, I really want to get that stuff done so that I can spend more time just critiquing and I can I – can, Tell the students you need to go back and look at this, you know, right? And 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 balancing that with my children's books and then eventually writing and 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 spending time doing that is is kind of the the ten year plan to try to get some of my own books written and out the door.
1: Right on, good plan. Um, for me, I I, I kind of like what what Jake was saying about you know uh, some of our readers might not know what we've been doing the past ten years, and you know it, it's funny because sometimes you think. What your goals are as a professional, like once you get them, everything will be perfect. Like I used to think once I get my, if I could just get published, everything would be great. Some of you guys might be thinking that mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. and then you get published and then, and then there's a next set of problems and a next set of problems. And, and what a lot of people don't know about businesses is that, and illustration is a business by the way, and you though it's something we enjoy doing. You got to think of it like a bit, bu- like any small business. It's hard to grow. I like, like a success actually brings some problems with it, and some of the problems, like if I look back on my previous ten years, were successful. Like I was successful in all the stuff that I did, but to the point where I was kind of frantic. Um, Jake, Will, and I had a uh, an advisor recently ask us give us a questionnaire, basically because we're trying to just figure out what our goals are for the for SVS and 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 he said, well, in, in order to figure out what your goals are, we need to kind of know a little bit more about you. And he gave us this questionnaire and it was kind of profound. He gave us a uh, one question that said, you know, what's your ideal day? And it kind of threw me a little bit because I'm like, Mm -hmm. I've never actually thought about that because normally I'm like, well, I got two classes I'm building and then I have a gallery show next month and then I have two books that I'm working on. And it's just like this frantic kind of pace. And that question really pulled me out and said, oh my gosh, okay, at this point I don't need to do all these things All at the same time at a hundred percent pace. All. (laughs) And so that's what Mm -hmm. a success is. I think a lot of times in those early years, it's just building and you're flying and, and you're, you know, staying up late and you're turning in all this work. But like Will said, I, I want to start focusing on the quality and slow down quite a bit. And so I don't need to be doing 10, art fairs and four gallery shows and three books a year while teaching four classes. That's just too much. Um, so when I stood back and said, what how would I want to spend my day? It kind of opened up what my next 10 years are, which is I enjoy writing books, the content, creating the content for what the illustrations are going to be is a new thing for me. And it's so enjoyable to really craft a, a story and to think about how much meaning I can put into it. And then learning, you know, the, the, the new part of learning how words go together in the same way that we originally learned illustration. There's all these mistakes we're making and there it's, you know, the mm. writing's horrible, but it's fun cause you're learning it. So I want to be writing in 10 years, writing my own books, maybe one book per year. And then like will said too, the class these classes with SVS have been transformative because after teaching at the university for 10 years, and running into all this red tape when i wanted to when there's an essential class that i think's needed and i can't get it into the curriculum drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. And with what we're doing now is we're like, "Hey, we need a digital painting class." Okay, here it is. Let's do it. <laughs> and then we can right. make whatever we <laughs> right. want. Uh and and the results, you know, i didn't know how the results were going to be on an online class, but they're they've been awesome and and more Interactive than I thought they would be, and so I'm just encouraged about that, so I want to teach a couple of classes per year that are very focused into stuff that I'm the best at teaching and um, and then doing these books and and then and then trying to recruit other teachers and stuff so that's kind of my ten year plan um, we'll see how it goes, but basically slowing down and focusing on on meaning and quality very good okay, so next question is from Raj Salanki Maybe Solansky. We'll see about my typing skills on transferring some of these questions because I feel like an <laughs> S should be in there, but maybe not. Um, anyway, so the question is, how do you get ready for a Comic-Con or art fair? What are the differences between those two things? And how I read that question is, for a lot of our students, is probably, how do I even think about beginning this process of being in there?
2: Yeah. That's a huge question. It's a big
1: question. Maybe we like, can that abbreviate could be
2: like it. 10
1: <laughs> and we are putting together a class, by the way, on that. I don't know if it'll be uh, uh, an interactive class, but it's definitely going to be a video because a lot of people are wondering about it. And uh, all three of us are doing it and making a significant amount of income from it. And so it's been a very lucrative kind of thing. Um, but there's no rule book for a lot of this stuff. There's no guide. And so we were, each of us is having to figure out all these mistakes on our own and everybody's work is going to be different. So there's a little bit of variables, but there are some overlapping principles um, that kind of get into it. And I'll just go, go over just a quick overline, just kind of overriding principle. And that is start small, try to gauge uh, interest in the work and what kind of work people are into. So the first step is, What's the smallest thing you can do? And that is go to an art fair or go to a Comic-Con and just look and see what the price points are. Watch people's booths who has work that you like or similar to yours. How much traffic are they getting? Are they making a lot of sales? Like basically your research and development. It's free to do research and development. It's very expensive to jump quick.
2: It's funny that you you said that because that was exactly what I thought when I heard the question is you got to go and – it's surprising how many people are unprepared when they do a Kickstarter or when they do a convention. Yeah, and it's like you start asking them questions about their project, mm-hmm. and it's obvious they're not a consumer of Kickstarter, they're not a consumer of <laughs> conventions. And um, the thing that I would advise is when you're there, if you if you you know, you should probably go to more than one convention, but try to reverse engineer what you're going to do by asking yourself this question. Which tables are you afraid to walk up to and why? Mm -hmm. And which tables do you have no problem walking up to and why? And of course, you want to be the latter. But it's surprising to me how many people put on customer repellent at their booth you know they, they figure out exactly what not to do we should do a parody video on that sometime it'd be good yeah <laughs> how not to do a, a, that we'll uh, cover that in the class for sure but uh but yeah you, i want
0: to i want to add to that though will um how like what made you attracted to a booth what made you stop and you know in your tracks and if you look at that that might that might also give you some answers as to how to se- set up your your booth, and also if if yeah. you leave buying anything, like deconstruct that. Why did you buy from this person? Mm-hmm. You know, yep, yeah.
1: yeah, and and you can talk to people too at the at the cons or the art fairs. You can go in and and if you see a booth you really like, you know, don't be don't be the person who wants every single answer, but you can have a couple of questions like, hey, where'd you get this banner printed? Or where did you get this print bin? Or, you know, some, some other kind of question. Where do you get your work printed? Do you do it yourself? Just a couple of basic questions, but don't sit there and interview the artist for an hour because they're trying to work. Um, but you can ask questions. And I've had a lot of people and most artists are very free with that information. Um, a couple will probably not be, but don't worry about it. Just think about the overall average. I guess I should, I should clarify what's the difference between a Comic Con and an art fair? Um, mm. And I'm not actually sure of what that is. I haven't actually vocalized it before, so this would be kind of clumsy. Um, <laughs> the market that I'm in is the art fair market. And so those are typically, um, not always, but typically set up outdoors. They're venues in typically more expensive cities. Those, are, These are the better ones, by the way. Um, mm. More expensive cities, so that means the the buyer has more um disposable income they are not a fan in any way like they are at comic cons which we'll get into in a second Mm -hmm. but they're they are um connoisseurs of art and they're looking for something that will go good over their couch i hate to say that because it's like the most unsexy (laughs) way to say it (laughs) but i mean i do get people you know they're looking at a two thousand dollar painting and they're like does this green match our couch I'm like, okay, <laughs> but that comes with it. That's what yeah. they're looking for. And the, and a lot of times they are, they are definitely buyers of original art or, or they're looking for something unique. Um, they're not going to buy something that's Superman or something like that. It's a different crowd. And so it's a little bit more fine art based. Um, right. the price points are much higher. I've seen sculptures go for as high as $60,000. Um, I sell my originals there. My price points about $2,000, uh, to, to five. And you get people that buy that stuff. Um, that's not where I started, by the way, but that's kind of the, the market that, that I'm, I'm going for. The Comic Cons are a little bit different. They're typically indoor and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but they're indoor. You can start with a table, which is an awesome way to start. It's a little bit smaller than mm-hmm. like a full booth. Um, and you do get affectionados of certain content kinds of content or. Um, memorabilia. The price point's typically a lot smaller, um, but the volume can be high. Will has made just as much money as I have at, at a show um, and, and the price point's a little bit lower, but he's selling a lot more stuff. Um,
2: a lot lower, yeah, and
1: you sell on volume. Right. Yeah. You guys, you yeah. want to add anything to that? That's kind of the, the difference. I think you nailed it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd say the, com- the Comic-Con stuff is easier to get into than the Art Fair stuff. The Art Fair stuff is a juried process when you apply, and I, I'm only like a 50% success rate. So if I want to do eight shows in a year, I have to apply, apply for like 20 to 30, and I, and I get into about half of that, and then I go to about half of that.
0: Hmm. Um, I want to say, too, ask yourself why you want to do a show. Like, what is it? Is it validation? Like, I've never sold my artwork before and I just need to know that people are interested in it. Is it to make money? Is it to build a a stronger fan base or or more personalized uh, fan base? Um, Once you know why you're going into it, then you'll have a much better um, measuring tool to see if you're successful or not, according to to you know why you did this, and and they're hard, and they're a lot of work, and they can be expensive to set up. So you know whether or not you're you're getting uh, a, a return on your investment, whether it's a time investment or financial investment. So a- ask those questions to yourself, and then that'll give you a better idea of why you want to get into this thing. and And maybe the answers to those questions might tell you uh, whether or not it's a thing you even want to do. and and there might be other ways to make money, and other ways to build a fan base, and other ways to um, to validate, you know, to get validation for your work.
1: Yep, yep, really good. But check them out. Step one is always just check them out, ask questions, and uh, and then and then get into it small. Maybe pick a, pick like ten prints, buy a table at a like we have one in Portland called the Rose City Comic Con. It's really cheap to get into. Um, you can share a table even. And then so you can just get in and see what people think and you'll start to understand it from there. Uh, okay, so next question. Um, this one's from Simona. Uh, again, very difficult last name. Sec- Seccarelli?
2: Seccarelli.
1: That's how I thought it was going to be pronounced. Sorry, Simona, if we mangled that. Um Okay. So let's see. We've addressed this in another, in a, in a third Thursday, but we'll kind of top it off or see if it's changed a little bit. The question is, what are some of your methods and approaches for, she's got three questions, by the way. Um, what are your methods and approaches for time efficiency and consistency when working on a long series of illustrations? So it does change the dynamic a little bit. We've talked about productivity and things like Mm -hmm. that, but a long project is a different beast. Um, uh and yeah so she that's that's kind of what she's wondering is like how do you what's the difference between a long and a short process and how do you just stay motivated and and work your way to the finish
2: i have a couple of ideas that just kind of popped in and this might not apply to everyone because everyone's style is a little bit differently how they work you know whether they're working traditionally or digitally i happen to have switched over to working digitally now and so um but one thing i believe she does too Um, but one thing that I've found that helps is I will, um, sorry, that distracted me. The light getting
0: turned off. (laughs) Someone just turned off our lights (laughs) and then then, then turned them back on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So one of the things that, uh, comes to mind is I'll paint, um, like, let's say I have a lot of, um, grassy scenes, you know, the, the things that are meticulous hair, grass, those kinds of textures that take forever. I will paint up sometimes a a whole sheet, you know, a whole digital document of just grass, and then I'll reuse it. I'll flip it. I'll you know move it around. Anything to save from having to, you know, hand render every blade of grass. You know, right <laughs> on every page. Uh, that's one thing. Another thing that I've another shortcut I found. Um, for character consistency is really doing a lot of um, head studies for characters that repeat a lot and doing them at different angles and just drawing those ahead of time um, and really trying to nail them. And then I can kind of grab them and throw them in a composition. I'll do like high angle, low angle, straight on, um, kind of almost the same process that they use for stop motion where they'll, you know, like for Tim Burton's uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, I believe they had like thirty, thirty or thirty-five Jack Skellington heads with different expressions, right. different mouth moves, and and everything. And I don't go to that length and and do that many, but I've really found that it's a time saver to just kind of draw them and then be able to throw them in the right place. And sometimes there's little modifications that need to be made, but um, I, that those are little hacks that I've come up with.
0: And so what? But but say you're halfway through the book, you have zero motivation to finish it. And you're just looking at that deadline and it's like a month away and you're like, okay, I'm just going to work on it in two weeks. What is it that gets you to like finish that book? How do you get motivated? I think you chose the wrong project if that's the
1: problem. No, dude. that No, it happens every every time I do oh. something, I end up hating it about midway through. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I kind of want it to be done. I mean, it just goes with my personality. I don't know if, if, if this happens to you, but I uh, just... I just want to move on. I'm okay,
2: let me ask you this then: Do you do you uh, do you paint the fun ones first?
1: <laughs> well, and save I've, the
2: bad ones because I could see that I've happening. messed
1: around with a lot of different um, models <laughs> of that. So what I do is I start with my absolute favorite spread.
0: Uh-huh. because you just mm-hmm.
1: want I just want that one that I can yeah, and you got to get yeah, into it. Yeah, and if I'm working digitally, I print it out on real nice paper, I hang it up in the studio, and it's kind of my beacon, you know, of, as I go through it. And so <laughs> yeah. I try to alternate between uh I pick my best spread, my favorite, and then I pick the hardest, worst one, the one that I'm nervous uh-huh. about second. Uh-huh because I still have enough energy. I just finished one that I really like and um, you don't want that, that spread to be the last one you do. Right, right, right. Um, And then I try, this is, I've learned over a long period of time, took a long time to learn this one is that I try to schedule it to where it's not, A marathon and I'm only working on this one project. And that's the only thing I'm seeing from the morning, from the time I get up to the time I go to bed. I try to have other projects like a gal. I'll try to have at least a couple of Mm -hmm. paintings or something that I'm doing just for fun. Because if you just bear down on that one project, it will lead to burnout for sure. Yeah.
2: You start to get sick of it. Yeah. I, but it's funny because I'm the same way. I'll, I, I always save either the best or the second best for last. And by that, it's funny because like, I, when I was in school, I used to think, okay, every painting in the book has to be of equal value. No. Some are utilitarian illustrations right. that just get you through the story. They're just moving it along and they're boring and they're not inspiring, right?
1: Yeah, yeah you can't yeah. help it. it 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 happens I always think back I did this book project this is probably 12 years ago now so it shows you how bad this illustration was but it was a utilitarian illustration and I had to use the worst illustrative device which is a idea bubble above the character's <laughs> head because I wasn't a good storyteller <laughs> and I just, I knew it at the time that it wasn't a good solution but I just remember dreading painting that spread Um, you know, and it's not going to be a great spread. I had other ones that were good from that book, but yeah, all spreads are not created equal.
0: Yeah. I think for me, what I do is I make a visual, uh, checklist that, that I can check off each step of the process. And I love looking at that thing Mm. and I love coloring in the little squares that said I finished it. So I'll have, um, layouts, rough sketches, final line work, color, and each of those are their own column and each of them have a little box for every page and then I could just go through and and be like okay, you know, today I was able to color in five boxes. You know, I did two uh, you know, I, I sketched out five pages. That's good and 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 that kind of keeps me motivated cuz I'm I like that visual uh, like visually seeing that this thing is actually getting finished. So, That's cool. So That's that a good helps. one. And it just, it the other thing too is is what you want to do is if you haven't done a project like this before, it's your first big project, time how long it takes to do um, the first couple of illustrations and just take very close notes of, of how long you spent on it. And then you can use that to plan out the rest of the book and budget your time for the rest of the book. and And that way you don't, you know, you're not scrambling at the end and you're spreading this out over, you know, a, a good amount of times and, and so that you you, you can f- fit in other projects in the middle so that you don't get bored with this. Yeah. I, I just realized something. Mm-hmm.
2: With that topic, I have – that's one of the reasons why I love having these uh, – well, I love doing Third Thursday and now this podcast is I'm learning. I, I've never talked about this before with anybody. <laughs> you know, like th- do you guys do the same thing? Do you <laughs> – Save the good ones for last or you do the best one first and things like that. I
0: actually will do um, – I kind of do what, will, or what Lee was saying is I'll do maybe not the best favorite spread first, uh, but I'll do one that I'm really looking forward to. And that – also the publisher a lot of times wants to see one just so they mm-hmm. know you're going to do it in the style that they're expecting and and just make sure that like everything's working to, to what they're planning on. So I'll pick one that has you know some fun stuff in it and do that. But usually I'll save some of the the better ones for last. Hmm.
2: Another little tip that I might just bring in—it it doesn't really relate, but it does in another way—is that I don't ever tell my editor how far along I actually am. I'm, I'm like I get further than what they think I am in case something goes wrong, and I need more time for something. In case I get sick or whatever, I always want to work a little ahead of where they think I am.
1: I tell you That's one smart. one tip too, along that that same line of thinking that I use with clients is if I get jammed up and I do start to bump up against that deadline where you start to feel that panic, which will then force you into overworking, which then forces you into burnout. I contact the my client early now and just say, can I have another week? Can I have another month? I always ask for more than I'm actually needing. And mm-hmm. I'd say 95% of the time, They're like, oh yeah, no, yeah, sure. I mean, they, they don't even care. They don't even push back at all most of the time. Sometimes Mm. there is a hard deadline. So there is always the exception to that rule, but it's amazing how early in my career I would struggle to make these deadlines that were maybe arbitrary or could have been moved. I just didn't want, you know, when you're just nervous when you're starting out and you're like, I don't want them to think that I can't hit the deadline.
2: And you're afraid yeah. that they're going to say, "Okay, then the deal." Yeah, off. you're terrible. You Asked for more, so <laughs> well, now we're going to give it to someone
1: else.
0: Don't, yeah, and don't fool yourself. Don't think that they haven't padded everything out. You know, yeah, they
1: they totally. When do. They
0: set a schedule. They know something's going to happen either on their end or your end. So um, it's it's in there, even though it's not spoken.
2: Except sometimes, every now and then, you are you're saving the project from the illustrator that failed. <laughs> yeah, and they'll you know, tell so you, you normally. You really are. Yeah. yeah, that's it. But
1: the I'm other part of that, that so. one, too, is just being really open. Like, like what can make a pro- long term project really fun is sometimes I'll do, like, for a spread, I'll do two different colorways or I'll do two different facial expressions or something like that. And I'll just kind of send them both to my client and say, Hey, I got this idea. Which one do you think hits it better? And it's this banter that kind of keeps you going like, hey, we're in this together. It's not just me in my studio and I have to deliver this perfect project. I hope you like it, you know?
2: Right, yeah.
1: So open communication can can definitely help that. Yeah, uh, cool. I'm going to skip her second question, um, but the third question she had is, is there a difference between, what are the differences between being an illustrator or being a writer illustrator? And I'd like to, to change that question a little bit what I see that as is being an illustrator versus a content creator. Yeah. Um, you guys want to speak to that?
0: Yeah. So I would say the big difference I've, I've illustrated 10 books, something like that. One of those books was, um, one that I wrote as well. And then I've written some other, this is just children's books. I've also written and drawn comics a lot, but, um, as far as children's books and illustrating that, and that is concerned, it took just as it took longer to write the book than to <laughs> actually draw it. Um, it was hard. It was just trying to get the little nuances and and how the page the pages should flow, uh, just the word word wise, you know, uh, verbally, I guess. Um, finding the right words, finding how the story should actually be wrapped up and tied up in a bow at the end. Uh, and there's a hundred different ver- you know versions that you could do. What is the version that's best for this this story? And so I found for me personally, it was like it was a lot harder to write it than it was to sit down and, and illustrate it. And I think that means I'm primarily an illustrator as opposed to a writer. I, I do come up with a lot of stories and, and come up with things like that. But the main, I think, the main difference between the two is you are responsible for creating the entire world and motivating your characters and finding what drives them and finding what hurts them and and how they deal with those things. Um, whereas I feel like w- illustrating a book, you're handed a script, it's all figured out, or a manuscript, it's all figured out. You just have to visualize it. And uh, some of that hard work's already been done, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. I think, though, with the with the content creator, you're ensuring your own longevity in the in this career. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, it's not like you have to be only one or the other, but if you are a content right. creator and you're making things, there's never a time where it runs out. Like if you're you, waiting. yeah, like you're waiting. Yeah. You're waiting for the phone to ring. There's nothing more anxiety producing than not having work. And then you're just hoping somebody calls you. Um, right. whereas if you're a content creator, you just keep moving, you keep moving forward. And, and and then a lot of times clients relate to that stuff that you're making on your own. They'll give you other projects, um, kind of like Will's uh book, actually. He's doing all this these drawings and then a client sees it and says, hey, he'd be perfect for this project. And then he gets a, a regular illustration gig out of the thing that he was content creating.
2: Yeah. I think another thing, another aspect of this question would be uh, as – now, as someone who has never written their own book, I've written a lot of books but I haven't gotten one published yet. Close with Scholastic one time then – got really disappointed, (laughs) but (laughs) I think the mindset is going to be that when, you know, when you're dealing with an author who, who doesn't illustrate, you know, their, their writing process is definitely going to be different than someone like, you know, when Jake was, was doing Robot and Sparrow, I think the question that you're, and maybe you can speak to this, Jake, but I think the question you're asking yourself is what can I leave out of the text? Mm-hmm. and 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 cover in the illustration, and what do I need to write in the text and mm-hmm. and I don't think that the you know the author isn't asking themselves that question, and I think that's one reason why the publishing world loves the single person creator author illustrator a lot mm-hmm. is that in a perfect world, I think they can create a more efficient book i i you know not and that's not to take away anything from author, s- separate author and illustrators because some of the best books ever have been done by the, by teams like that. But I just think your, your approach is going to be different.
1: It's a good point, Will, that, yeah. that, that, that success will come easier for the writer illustrator, um, in terms yeah. of getting an agent and in terms of getting your foot in the door for publishing mm-hmm. as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too, I, I have gotten manuscripts where I'm drawing, illustrating for it and I'm realizing Uh, there's no way to do this without the picture showing exactly what the words are saying. (laughs) And what's happened many times is they'll come back, they'll see my illustrations, and there'll be another pass on the writing side where they realize, oh, we could take out some of this dialogue, Mm -hmm. some of this words, um, just so that the pictures and the words flow together. But when you're doing that all yourself, you could have a wordless spread that doesn't, you know, there's no words, but it still advances the story and it's still very important to the story. And you see a lot of that stuff in like Dan Santat's work, Mm -hmm. who's a a writer-illustrator. You see it in like John Classen's stuff as well. Um, You know, all the the big, uh, all the really successful um, illustrators slash authors are doing that kind of stuff. And I think too, you also look at, the award winners and some of these best-selling books are these these people who are both the writer and the illustrator. But I I, I want to just reiterate what Lee was saying too is is you want to be a part of the creation of something, your own thing. You want to make one of your own things uh, and and try that out. Even if even if you're just wanting to be an illustrator, still try to make your own thing because it helps you understand what. The author you're going to be work with working with next time, kind of what they've been going through and 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 understand you know the process from their perspective as well
1: yeah, it, and it also changes i'll just add one little aside here it changes how you think when you're building something on your own, whether it's illustrations or not it changes everything like when I was in when I was at at art Center, I came up with an idea for I, I minored in industrial design and entertainment design, and halfway through. I came up with this idea to make a basically a six pack of heads. (laughs) So picture like a six pack of beer, except for its heads because I was in a head drawing class and they had the, um, can't remember the, oh, the John Asaro head. You guys know what I'm talking about? Where it's basically the planes of the head. Looks like, uh, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. It looks like those, like just classic kind of way of learning the head. It's just broken up into planes and stuff. And we had one of these big glass sculptures there. And it, I was just thinking to myself, I can't believe that's a glass sculpture. A, why would they make a glass sculpture? Nope. It's not available for purchase. And I would have loved to have this at home and had the planes mm-hmm. of the head, but then next to it had a little like five inch tall head that was, like a male version of an idealized head and a female version of an idealized head. And I kind of walked through mm-hmm. six different kinds of heads that you could buy as a little pack. And so I made up these molds and I, and my wife was making so much fun of me because of this dumb <laughs> product. But I just kind of ran with the whole thing and I made them. I mean, I actually sculpted them all out. And then of course you get into the actual manufacturing process, which was way over my head and I had no money. So fast forward 10 years, like that, idea went away, but just the process of being involved in, hey, I I see this opportunity that I can make something, I think I'm going to try to do it, has mm-hmm. permeated my whole career. It comes up over and over and over again, where I throw myself in, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but you're just a builder of things. It doesn't have to be one kind of thing. But anyway, the, the ending to that little anecdote story is 10 years later, just recently, I went to an art store and there is a six pack of heads on the shelf. <laughs> I could not believe it. I sent a picture to Lisa and I was like, see, (laughs) I told you that was a good idea.
2: What flavor were they?
1: Oh my gosh. It was almost exactly what I sculpted. I mean, I don't even want to look it up on who, if it's somebody I went to school with, I'm going to be really angry. (laughs) But I've done that over and over.
2: There's another important lesson there too. And that is, you know, I think a lot of times is, you know, we've been talking about being the creator. I think what paralyzes a lot of us is that we ask ourselves that question of what gives us the right instead of mm-hmm. asking the question, why not, you know, why not me? Yeah. And, and boy, I mean, like, I mean, I, I think it comes down to the fear of failure as we've talked about before. Failure is part of the, the creative process. So you, if you can't, if you can't get comfortable with failure, you're probably not, Ever going to be a creator?
1: That's a good point. Gotta, <laughs> that's a good point. Throw yourself out there and 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 that's just true. do it.
0: <laughs> all right. Next. Uh, question. All right. Let's move
1: on to the next question. Uh, this is from Michelle M. She says, "What is your step by step for studying other people's work and doing master copies?"
0: Uh, that's a good, that's a good question. So it it probably starts with figuring out the the actual like gesture of what they've done. You want to start from the ground up. You're not going to be like painting a thing, just straight up copying the eye and painting the <laughs> eye, and then copying the nose and painting the nose. You want to get the 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 gesture of it. You know, how are they sitting in the chair, or how are they running? If it's a figure that you're doing, or you know, if it's if it's something else, like what is the actual structure of it? Um, so it goes gesture, then it goes structure. So making sure that um, uh, you know the planes are right. On the on the head, the head's positioned right, and then I think you start building in, and you and you work on shadow, light, color. Uh, a lot of times, you might be able to find books on how you know if it's someone really well known. There, there'll be process books to show some of the steps of how they of how they work or or people have, have trained that way and you might want to go and, and follow that same pattern. You know, they'll put in the dark umber first and kind of sort of build it up from that. And, um, I, I, I think that's, that's how I would do it. You know, if, if you want to do someone that's maybe it's a children's book illustrator who's contemporary that's working today. Um, uh, I would, I would go about it the same, the same process and maybe even contact them and just say, what's your process and, and try to uh, try to follow the same thing, and uh, and then see how you can apply all that to your own stuff. I don't know. What do you guys think?
1: I th- I think there's a step before that. I think all that is definitely solid for once you're producing. But I think the bigger question for master copies is which master copy are you doing like why are you copying this thing i mean just in a Mm -hmm. base broad kind of question and and where that leads me is 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 the dream portfolio assignment that i've been giving that for years now Mm -hmm. that is put together 10 to 20 pieces of work that you wish that you did i mean literally just right in line with like if i could snap my fingers and be as good as i could possibly be this grouping would be it and then look for the consistency within that group is is you know for example all the all the work done in pen and ink But you don't have any pen and ink in your portfolio, (laughs) but you picked all everybody. And this has literally happened almost every time people pick this grouping and there is a dominant theme, whether it's subject matter or whether it's um, media or technique. And you, once it's all together, you're like, Oh my gosh, there's this thing that I want to do that I didn't even really have clarity on. And so I kind of back up and say, what's the, why am I attracted to this group of of images or these artists and try to find that common thread and see if I've related to it in my own work yet. Or if not, then that's the number one breakthrough. I don't even have to do any work yet. It's like all of a sudden, Oh wow, I really like pen and ink, but I'm painting in oil and there's a disconnect Mm -hmm. there. So Mm -hmm. then once you have grouped them together, then you start saying, is there a consistent approach to these images that is, and once you figure that out, it's awesome. You're like, oh, everybody uses like this dark accent black or everybody's using real flat colors or some other kind of thing. So then you kind of, you're just going through and just checking off why you picked this group and the similarities and the differences between them. And then once you've got all that down, that's when you get into actually starting to make the work. And then it's in, then it's a little bit more informed instead of like what Jake was originally saying, like, oh, there's, you know, you don't want to start out, oh, I just picked this image randomly and now I'm painting the eye. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you want it to be more informed than that. And so once I have my images together and then I know kind of why that image is, why I picked that grouping of images, I, st- I break down each one of them in detail. Like there is dark darks here or the, or there's an underpainting showing here or, you know, whatever kind of thing you can find, they're using diagonal compositions in all of them. I just write it all out. I have arrows pointing to stuff. It comes a diagram and i study the image first and then i actually make the image and so there's you know like four steps before i'm actually putting pigment on paper or you know working on the computer
2: you're like a an illustration da vinci kind of thing. I, <laughs> I had to be because was i was so,
1: i was so late to to art and illustration that that's how i had to catch up and it 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 really did work
2: <laughs> that's that is awesome it is an awesome story i i think about you a lot in terms of that like it it took me so long and you just kind of sped right in. But it's, yeah, you can, I think you can accelerate by being smart and and making deliberate moves like that. One for me, and and this is when I reverse engineer kind of my process, because I definitely had people that I was looking like and I've talked about them before. um, People that I was, I probably copied too much in my style early on. But one of the things that I, really tried to do and I never verbalized this and no one ever told me to do this but I really wanted to get to know the artist through their work and understand Mm -hmm. try to understand like why did they make that decision oh it's because if they didn't it would have made it harder and and specifically I'm thinking of like stylizations because my work is is stylized it's 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 not what you would Mm -hmm. call realistic and so I'm you know you're you're making shorthand statements for let's say facial features or you're making shorthand statements for complex objects, such as a tree with, with, you know, millions of leaves. Right. And, and I would say, I would ask, you know, I would see the shapes that they were making and I would go, Oh, you can, you can, you can see it this way. And that this is what they're trying to solve. This, this is the problem they're trying to solve. And uh, that really helped me as an artist to be able to say, it doesn't have to be the way that I thought it was in my mind, and again, as you're an early illustrator, you're basically doing everything wrong, right? When you're starting out, so I would say, well, obviously my initial intuition was wrong. So, how did they solve that problem? And it helps. It it helps so much.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah, you guys should be doing master copies. That, that's that's for sure. And doing putting these things together and 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 analyzing work in this way. The one of the big things I always advocate against is the advice to just draw a lot. I mean, it's good advice, but in the in the most generic way. Um, if you're if you if you're drawing and painting all the time, but with a purpose of some to move yourself forward, it's going to accelerate you. You know, light years. Yeah, I feel like
0: I feel like I say this so much, but when you or learning an instrument, you're not just told to just play whatever you want. Just figure out what all those buttons do on the piano right. buttons, what all the keys do on the piano.
1: <laughs> Jake's talking about his 1980s uh, synthesizer that he plays. <laughs> yeah.
0: but you're never told that. You're always told, "Here's Twinkle Twinkle Little Star." You know, here's what the note is. Now play it. And before you're ever writing your own music, you've memorized you know a hundred different pieces. Uh, that you could play or or you you can look at music and read it and i i feel like that is always skipped in art yeah. people think oh i i have to just come up with it on my own you it's know? the same with
2: writing
1: it's it's a weird we, thing you have with to writing really become fluent yeah with writing and illustration and or, or art visual art it's the only creative field that does that i mean if you look at martial arts there's a path if you look at music there's a path if you look at sports and athletes there's a path for us it's just like just do whatever you want to and hope it's good <laughs> it's really bizarre um as a matter of fact using that i for my basic classes my 100 and 200 level classes that i taught at the university i came up with a, a kung fu belt grading system where they started at a white belt they moved to a yellow belt and i wouldn't let them move to the next belt until they had 90 percent efficiency in the thing i was trying to teach It was pretty awesome. I got great results doing that um, because there was just that built in understanding of how martial arts works. And so people could just relate to it. It made things concrete. That's really cool. It was really, it was really fun. Um, Okay. So uh, the next question is, this is a short one um, from Todd Ackerman. If you could illustrate a small story based off of one of your favorite songs, which would it be? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> uh, while you guys are gathering your thoughts, I'll tell a little story because I don't know what song mine would be. Probably something from Tom York. I've been int- uh, listening to a lot of Tom York lately. Uh, Radiohead. He's awesome. Just so good. <laughs> but, but more so, but uh, Tom York would with, without Radiohead. Even though I like Radiohead, I, oh, I okay. like Tom York better. Um, David Hone and I uh, both teach the illustration class, and we've kind of. Ch- uh, uh, traded off teaching an illustration class at the local university, and there's this assignment. David came up with it, so I don't want to take credit for it. But uh, he, the assignment is the students have to pick a song, they have to illustrate the song, and then in class, we put up all the work, and then we play the song, and we try to guess which illustration goes with the song. <laughs> and it's awesome. It's really cool because it can't just be about the lyrics. It has to be about how it feels. And uh, and it was good. And a lot of the time, I'd say we probably had a 70% um, success rate on guessing the song to the illustration. pretty fun.
0: Wow. that's It's a really creative idea because I pull inspiration from music all the time, but I haven't gone so far as to like take a song and make a story from it.
1: What do you guys listen to when you're illustrating?
0: It's funny. Jake and I listen to the same music.
1: What is it? (laughs) Uh,
2: Synth. Well, not synthy pop. uh, Give me an
1: artist. Who who would it be?
0: um, Fits in the tantrums.
1: Give me an artist that most people would know.
0: (laughs) I've been listening to a ton of London Grammar lately. It's a kind of a British band. I, I don't know. How would you describe it? Sort of like. Florence and the Machine but softer I guess you guys
1: are hipsters <laughs> I, I didn't know that you guys are you Empire guys are getting sun, real niche on bells.
0: me <laughs> yeah Empire of the Sun today was Foster the People
1: okay yeah that's about what I listen to as well. um
0: but I do have a 70s 80s playlist that I go back to every once in a while which is which just is that
2: we're never in the same mood so when when he throws that on, I'm just like, you know,
0: not <laughs> come t- on, Jake <laughs> um I think if I were to do uh if I were to do a book like a children's book based on a song, I would probably pick a song by the Beatles because I know it would sell really well
1: oh, good point. and
0: <laughs> good point the song I would pick I would probably do help by the Beatles um I think it's." It'd be a great children's book. When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. But now these days are gone, and I'm not so self-assured. Now I find I've changed my mind. I've opened up the doors. Help me if you can. I'm feeling down, and I do appreciate you being around. Like, it's just got a good message, and I could see so many opportunities to do, like, visuals with that. That's interesting.
1: That is interesting.
0: You get... Lee's like, I don't see it, No, it isn't. No, I'm just thinking about the,
1: the copyright ramifications. Of-
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I actually illustrated Permission to Love. Um, who's that one by? I'm trying, I'm drawing a blank. If you Google Permission to Love, um, I, I made these dancing penguins that, that go with it and I put it on my YouTube channel.
1: If you Google that, put so, on your safe search, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: they The penguins, they have feathers. Let's just put it that way, okay? They're not,
0: Featherless. Okay. (laughs) It would be cool to do something like, you know, smells like Teen Spirit, and to do see what you could do with that. I don't even know what the lyrics are for that. I can never understand. I think you can. Did you ever
1: hear Tori Amos's version of of that song? No. Oh, it's so good.
0: I'm listening Mm -hmm. to it right after. It's so good. (laughs) I like it better than the
1: um, than the Nirvana than the Nirvana one for sure. But but it's the first time you can Really? really get the 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 brunt of what the song is.
0: Okay, I'll check. It's it really out.
1: good. Um, anyway, okay, moving forward.
0: These are these are. That was a weird question, but I, it was fun. <laughs> Thought provoking for sure. I'd also, I would also probably do a Weird Al song. That would be that fun would too. Be fun.
1: <laughs> I'll add this one little side note too with the Beatles. That's the one band that everyone loves. That I have never liked the Beatles, and I always feel kind of guilty about it. You should. I don't know why. I just cannot. That's I ridiculous. Want to like you don't it. like the Beatles. No. This
2: is people are going to crucify me for saying this, but. I like their arrangements done by other people I think they had some amazing melodies I don't like'm I'm, I'm with you I don't like their performance of their songs but I've liked other arrangements you have
1: one in in songs. mind
0: all of them you guys are done <laughs> <laughs> what about what what about um here comes the sun or I mean there's individual in ones that that
1: or, I can definitely listen to when it comes on the radio I'm like oh yeah but I just would never have the Beatles in my music collection.
0: Yeah, me either. Dang, it's weird. Not me, I love the Beatles. In fact, I went through when they posted all of their albums on Spotify. I took while I was working, I took a week and listened to one album each day and as uh, before I would listen to the album I would read the Wikipedia entry on the album so I could get the context of how this album came to be and what kind of the dynamics happening behind the scenes, you know, because uh, by the end of it, they kind of hated each other before they broke up. Right. There was fights and things like that. I think they eventually like, you know, it was good for them to separate and that was probably better for everybody. But um, it was just interesting to know, like while John Lennon is singing this particular song, uh, Paul McCartney just wants to like smash his face into the ground <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> well same with the Rolling Stones I think that's the that's the dynamic of every band <laughs> right before they break Yeah. Up. yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. and
0: SVS too I mean no
1: I <laughs> <laughs> we'll see that remains to be seen but Will you're on notice
2: <laughs> that was TMI, Jake. I, I don't. I didn't really want to know your intimate uh details with the Beatles. But
1: <laughs> all right, let's move forward.
0: Uh, right now, there's a person listening to this that's saying, "Right on, Jake's Jake's my guy. We're Beatles fans
2: together. <laughs> it's true." And there's nine out of ten that aren't.
1: They're with me and Will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll tell you this uh, uh, as. With the Beatles they're classic if you guys listen to current music like Foster the people and like just music that's out right now that's very eighties influenced, I say it all mm-hmm. goes back to the most classic band of all time, which is new order yeah if you listen really? listen to yeah. a new order album now and it is yeah. it, every song could be on the radio now and you would not be able to pick it out there's it's not dated at all it looks like people are just grabbing new order and just kind of reordering new order and and, um,
0: (laughs) putting it in a new order.
1: So anyway, side note. All right. So these are general questions uh, that just kind of came from, from random questions within the, uh, the forum that I picked out. Mm -hmm. What is the biggest mistake that an amateur or student illustrators make? um, Just in general. Um, And while you guys ponder that, I have a definite answer for that one which is back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast.
2: Biggest mistake. Biggest
1: mistake is not doing the groundwork in the beginning. The pre-visualization work um, is crucial. And that's why if you guys can study an entertainment design class, even if you're not going into entertainment design, you will change how you work in the beginning because it just is normal in entertainment design to and pre and, and previs work to do character studies and scene studies and and little tests and it just it color studies it just comes with it but nothing is worse in my opinion than than seeing an image on the forum it's at least halfway finished into full paint and people are like what do you think and i'm like where is all mm-hmm. the pre work for this because I want to see mm-hmm. five sketches that could have worked and then we'll see which one of them was the best one. And did you work out all the problems and all that stuff without that would just show in one image. It leaves and then no context for the image too. And so it's just a weak way to work in my opinion when it should be post five sketches. Give a little write up of what you're trying to say, and what the image should feel like, and what you're trying to leave the viewer with, and, and give the people who are viewing it some backstory so we can in, pick it in an informed way, and not just be like, oh, it looks cool, or or I don't like the. the what happens is people post the image, and then people start to micro focus. Well, like I don't think the pinky is long enough, you know, or or your perspective could be a little lower. When the whole image isn't actually working as a narrative. So mm-hmm. they don't do enough groundwork to get to the finish. I
0: wouldn't have picked that. I think that's a problem, but I don't think it's the big mis- biggest it's, mistake. It's a
2: good one, Lee, and it could be. But, you know, this is the podcast where we have to disagree yeah. or else it's not interesting.
1: What, what, wait, what would you say it is, Jake? <laughs> what are you
2: disagreeing?
0: What, what, what is it to you? Okay,
2: so fr- so Lee is not wrong. I, I like your answer a lot, uh, but... I think for me, and it happened today. We we were talking about this today, Jake. So we have an intern working with us who I had um, a few years ago. And I was teaching at the university at UVU in my illustration class. And she is doing great things right now. And as she left, we we told her, well, you, we knew you were going to make it. You were going to be good. And then when she really left, I said to Jake... I sometimes I question why I'm even there in the school because on -hmm. the first day or second day, you can tell who's going, who's doing really well and who's not. And it's like, I didn't really have any influence over her because Mm -hmm. she came in, she was awesome and she's still awesome and she's doing great things. And, but if you drill down on the why it is for me, it's that she was, she knew what she wanted. She had done her homework. Mm-hmm. She knew who the great illustrators were that she liked, and it surprises me how many of my students have no clue who's doing the work that they want to do mm-hmm. you know they, they don 't yeah. know so and the analogy that I use is if you follow sports at all, the baseball players, the basketball players, the football players they all know who the pro players are that they love. They have their, you know, their favorite players and they could, they could tell you everything about them. They could probably tell you where they, where they lived growing up. Good point. They could, they could tell you um, their favorite moves, what they're known for, what they do better than other people on the field. And they can tell you this when they're in high school. Mm -hmm. And these kids that I'm talking about are in college and they have no clue, but she did. And there were two people in her class, her and this other guy. And they're the only two that, I, uh, that I've that i seen that are doing noteworthy stuff right now. And they came into class that way. <laughs> and it wasn't because they were just gifted. It was because mm-hmm. they were observant and they were taking notes.
0: Mm-hmm. And so- yeah, I... I kind of agree with that, Will. I actually I really do agree with that. I, and and mine is is a tangent of that in that I think they like you said they don't know what they want. They don't know what an illustrator actually does day to day, right? They've never sat with an illustrator and saw what they've done, you know, s- Maybe intern with them for a week or something like that, and just seeing what the job entails. They don't know what the job entails at a at an uh, animation studio. Uh, they don't even know what jobs are available, right? Um, and there's kind of this, you know, some some students I've talked to haven't even opened an art of book. They want to work in animation, but they don't. They haven't looked at the art of, you know. Monsters, Inc. Or they haven't looked at the art of Zootopia or something like that. And I'm like, how do you even know this is a thing you want to do if you don't even <laughs> know like what's expected of you as an artist? So doing your homework, understanding who's the people doing the thing that you want to do and knowing exactly what the job is. You might find out you wanted to work at an animation studio and might find out after doing some homework that that's not at all what you want to do or what you're going to be good at. And maybe you're more geared towards... Uh, being a freelance illustrator or something like that you know
2: remember those things that were going around on facebook where it was like you know for artists and it was like this is what my parents think art is this uh-huh. is what my boss thinks art is this is this is how it actually is kind of a thing yeah it's yeah. almost like students need that it's <laughs> like they they don't you know because it's like this is what the student thinks their career is going to be like
1: yeah you know? oh that'd be funny right? that'd be good <laughs>
0: All right, should we wrap it up, or do you want to do you guys want to do one more or we're kind of getting to the end yeah, of yeah our- we've been
1: going for about an hour um, let's uh, let me see there's a couple things just quick hits let, why don 't we do that let 's do this like kind of a quick one or two sentence okay. kind of thing um, how okay. can i do, how can I do better in contest and should I enter? My quick answer for that is yes, you should enter because it gets your work out there. And like we talked about earlier, being a content creator and being comfortable in this field means putting your work out there and contests are a great way to do it. The one thing I want to add here, and it's a big one, is read the fine print in the contest that you're entering because I've seen two that were actually posted to our forum and everybody's like, Oh, this is a great contest. Let's enter it. And once I read the fine print, I said, stop, do not enter this contest under any circumstances because the contest wants to own all the work, including the copyright and everything. So any contest you enter, you should keep the copyright and the, the, com- the place that you're entering the contest should not be able to use your image uh, without payment or without any kind of notification or anything like that. So just
2: be careful. They're trying to get free work by running a contest. That's right.
1: And and there's a lot of them out there. and Some of them do it uh, purposely. Some of them do it uh, unknowingly. Um, but just be careful with that.
2: I'd say in, in order to do better in a contest, you really need to take the winners and deconstruct them and make a list of how they beat your image. And and it, and you've got to be hum- humble. You've got to, you've really got to, um, you know, just dissect it and, and make that list and just say, this is what they did do better than me and start to incorporate those things in your work.
1: Good. Um, do, this is going to be a tough one to answer quickly. Do you recommend going to college for illustration? <laughs>
2: That's a, such a loaded question.
0: Uh, it, there's, so many factors in that. I think if you can afford it, do it. Um, if, you know, if money's, art school so expensive. Uh, but if money is a, a problem, I wouldn't go into debt for that. I would take what money you can, what you do have, and maybe formulate some sort of um, self-learning program from some sort of um, online schools, uh, paying tutors, getting um, getting internships, Something like that, and if you're really smart and you're really motivated, and and you put yourself in contact with the right people, um, you might be able to get the same kind of education, if not a better education, for much much cheaper.
2: Yeah. yeah, you you're gonna find people that will that have experiences where they love their college experience and can can say definitively they would not be, have the jobs. That they have without it you'll find people that say it was a waste of money same with online so there is no answer there's no you know way to answer that other than you need to do the homework yourself and and specifically with the programs you're thinking about going into because they're definitely not all created equal
1: yeah 10 years 10 years ago um i would have answered yes definitely to that that question because it, there was kind of no other real way to do it. And now it's, it's changed so dramatically with online offerings and, and combining that with local resources like community colleges that have really cheap, uh, you know, brick and mortar classes that you can go into figure drawing sessions that are everywhere. Um, and just the availability of so, such a wide array of choices and the kind of this eclectic buffet where you can custom build your education. I almost think now that could be a better solution than going to a degree program which now i think is becoming more limited because a degree program has uh only its resources within x amount of miles around the school those are the people that you're going to learn from whereas an online a combination local city for the brick and mortar stuff and then online stuff you can pick from the whole world so i don't know like will said it's varied but uh there's a lot of choice right now and and you know we don't get we don't get uh, picked because of the school that we went to or well, we don't get paid because of the school we we went to. And so just, just be good.
0: Yeah. That that's the, that's actually the main thing. Your goal is to have a portfolio that you can get work with. So figure out how to get that portfolio that you can get work
1: with. That's a good way to end it. Um, I think that's, that's all, that's a pretty good question to end on. All right. All right. Cool. Jake, you want to take well, us out?
0: Uh, I'll take us out. Let me find my notes here just to make sure I say the right (laughs) thing. (laughs)
1: It's like Jake's scrambling. All right, everybody.
0: (laughs) Thank you for joining us on the Three Point Perspective podcast. This was a fun one today. Thanks for getting those questions, Lee. Uh, So this podcast is made possible by svslearn.com, where becoming a great illustrator starts. Your hosts have been Will Terry. You can find him at willterry.com or on Instagram at WillTerryArt. And check his videos out on YouTube. Check out Lee White. He's uh, at leewhiteillustration.com and his Instagram is at leewhiteillow. And myself, I'm Jake Parker. You can find my work at mrjakeparker.com uh, or on Instagram at Jake Parker. And I also have videos on YouTube. Uh, as well. So if you like this episode, please share it around. Uh, Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. We would love it. And if you do, please leave a review. We'd love to hear what you think. If you're wanting to join in on this particular discussion and you have answers to some of these questions, log on to the svslearn.com forum where we have posted this episode in its own thread for people to talk about what we've talked about here. Chime in over there and, and let us know your thoughts. All right. That's it. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you again next time.